You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Oh, amen. Let's take our seats. And while we're doing that, let's take our Bibles and uh, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. We want to take a look at a message entitled, Going Without Knowing. And uh, we want to take a look at Abraham and uh, his life in going without knowing. And yet we want to frame that in um, all the things that God is doing in our church and in our lives and the way that uh, he is growing us up. I believe that uh, we're on the threshold of some great days in our church as God works. It's not about us. It's about him. He must increase. We must decrease. But uh, the reality of God's goodness and his favor and his faithfulness on us, I can't help but remember when uh, we had a service in this room and sent out 60 or 70 people to go to Durham and uh, planted a church there. And now hundreds of people are meeting out in Durham. And we're just so thankful for God's goodness and his faithfulness in that. And, and then just a couple of years ago, the Lord opened up opportunity for us to be involved with a couple of churches in uh, Romania, first in Girok and, and now in Ployesht, and uh, to be able to serve them and for us as a church to be able to encourage them. And along with the other missions things we're doing all over the world, but specifically in that area, I was uh, Skyping with uh, Pastor Sam on, on Thursday and uh, just chatting with him again about what's going on in the church and how we can support and encourage them. And, and then uh, between the services... An amazing thing happened. I was eating an apple and preaching in Newmarket at the same time. And uh, that wasn't a vision. That actually happened because we taped the service here last night and they're meeting up there. You know they're meeting up there and they were meeting and we were watching, they were watching the video and the uh, Lord is doing a thing there that, Lord, what will you do in the Newmarket as uh, on March the 1st, we'll launch uh, one church, two locations, and uh, so thankful to God for his faithfulness and his goodness and the way he's working. But uh, there's a reality that comes out of the uh, verse that's in Second Chronicles 20:12. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're going to trust the Lord for what he's going to do. And as he's done it in Durham and as he's done it in Romania and as he is doing it now in Newmarket and as he's allowing us to be a part of it, we're going without knowing. We don't understand all the ends. We don't understand where all of this will take us, but we're trusting God that he will do some pretty amazing things. And maybe you've had some times in your life where you've gone on that going without knowing. It was time to make a move or, or a job change happened and, and you just weren't sure about it, but you believed God and you trusted him for it. Um, when Sue and I left the uh, conference ministry, we served in for 16 years. Um, faithful people serving the Lord, a ministry that still goes on today. So thankful for it. But, but we realized that our time in that was done. It was time for us to go. And we left there and we didn't know. We didn't have a job. We weren't going anywhere. I'd made some moves in my life, but never one like that before. And going without knowing. And the Lord opened the door and brought us to this little church in Markham. And we became the pastor and wife at Harvest Bible Chapel Markham. And then the Lord made that into Harvest Bible Chapel York Region. And here we are today, going without knowing. Well, Abraham, he was called to that very thing. And uh, we find that story in Hebrews chapter 11. So you've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. I'm going to start in uh, verse one. So follow along as we read from Hebrews 11. Now faith 
is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that when so that what was, excuse me, for so that what was seen was not made out of things that are visible, down to verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has a foundations, whose designer and builder is God, down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we uh, take a look in this text today and in the life of Abraham, as we see a man who is mentioned in this passage in Hebrews 11, uh, the hall of faith or the hall of fame for people of faith, that Father, in his failures and in his mistakes and in his struggles, the thing that he was remembered for was his faith. And by faith, going, not knowing. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just take us today as we journey through this with Abraham, Father, we would see the parallels and the things for us to learn in our own lives, that we would listen carefully to your word, Father, that we would understand it, and then, God, we'd be passionate about living out for the fame of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name, amen. Well, thanks, you can take your seats. Well, this week and next week, we're going to have a little mini-series called By Faith, and this week's is entitled Going Without Knowing. We'll look at Abraham, and then next week, we will take a look at Moses, and by faith, too much to ask. God asks him to do some things, and Moses is filled with excuses as to why he can't do it, and it was too much for him, but by faith. And uh, what does that look in our life, look like in our lives? And what does it look like in our walk? And so it's always good, if you're especially going to preach about somebody, Abraham, that you understand the context and you understand who he is. He's found in the book of Genesis. Um, you can find that starting in chapter around 11 through to chapter 25. You can read that this afternoon if you want. But I want to just quickly walk you through some of the things about his life. I want you to see that he struggled and he wrestled because I I think sometimes we think of Bible characters and we think of them in the context of, well, they were superhuman. No, no, this guy had some pretty major failures. We know that David did. We know that Moses struggled. We know that Noah, even after he came off the ark, he messed up big time. And, and yet you come to chapter 11 of Hebrews and what does God remember? He remembers their faith. He remembers their faith. And in the midst of the things we struggle with, the things that we find hard, the difficulties we face, the times we fall on our faces, and God remembers our faith. He did it with Abraham. Abraham uh, was born and lived in the Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq, about 280 kilometers southeast of Baghdad. 
And God calls him and tells him that you're to move and to go to a new land and I'm gonna bless you and uh, the kingdoms of the earth are gonna come from you and all the rest of that. And so he leaves this place in uh, 280 kilometers from Baghdad and he makes his way up around to come down into Canaan, into what is now the promised land, what is Israel today. Um, He gets partway along the way and he stops in a place that is called Haran. And uh, he stays there according to Acts Um, until the book of Acts, until his father died. And so, yeah, he obeyed, Uh, he went, but he went partway and then he stopped. And after his father died, he finished the journey down into Canaan. He was married, his name was Abram at that point. His wife's name was Sarai and uh, she was barren and there, no kids. And yeah, there's this promise that you're gonna, the, the generations and the nations and all the rest. And how's that gonna happen? And so they get down into Canaan and uh, things get worse. Here he goes stepping out for the Lord and they go around, they get to Canaan and there's a famine in the land and they're not staying there. And he goes, let's go down to Egypt. Um, Fear gripped him and he figures like, if I go to Egypt, they're gonna see my wife. She obviously was a beautiful woman, even though she was about the oldest person who would have been in this room at the time. Um, And he says, when we get there, we're gonna tell them you're my sister. Bad plan, but his plan, he was fearful. It was a half truth. She was a half sister, but she was um, his wife. And they get down and uh, he has paid a handsome fee for his sister. And uh, not long afterwards, Pharaoh finds out what's gone on and like, what are you doing? And uh, basically Sarah's given back to him and he makes his way out of Egypt after a period of time, back up into Canaan. He does this more than once in his life. And uh, so when we talk about Abraham and his journey, he's like us. He had the ability to mess up royally. And yet he's remembered for his faith. So they get back up into the land and uh, there's still no child and Sarah kind of takes, Sarai at this point, takes things into her own hands and, and she says to him, why don't you take Hagar, who is our servant, and have a child with her? And um, in their minds, not trusting the Lord for what he said he would do, they go ahead and she gets pregnant and they have this son whose name is Ishmael all kinds of division between Hagar and Sarai, and eventually Hagar has to leave with Ishmael. And do you ever wonder what the implications are to your sin? Do you ever wonder how serious what you're doing can be? You just turn on the news this afternoon, and you listen about what's going on in Iraq and in Iran and in Turkey and in Syria and in And it's the result of this sin right here. But before we're too hard on Abram, uh, let's think about the things that are in our closet. And if anybody ever found out about those things, what would be the impact? How hurtful would it be? How devastating would it be in our workplace? How devastating would it be to our friends? Uh, God forbid, how devastating would it be to our family? He failed, but God is faithful. The struggles we see in the Middle East today can be tracked right back to this point. 
how different it might have been. But God knew, and he still cares, and he loves. Abraham is now 99 years old, and um, God appears to him, changes his name from Abram to Abraham. It means the father of many nations. Um, Abraham laughs. Um, when he is um, 100 years old and his wife is 90 years old, uh, they're told they're going to have a son in a year. Uh, remember, if you remember the story, the vision and, and the uh, visitors who come, and I believe one of them was the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's referred to, and Abraham calls him a, a name that's distinctive for God in the Old Testament. But they come, and, and these two can't believe there's no way. There's no way this is going to happen. And one year later, Isaac is born. And when Isaac is about 12 years old, God says, I want your son. What do you mean, to go into ministry? No, I want you to sacrifice your son. We're coming back to that before the message is done today. Um, their lives go on, and uh, Sarah dies when she's 127. Abraham dies when he's 175 years old. That's a little bit of the context. Called to go from a land to a land, going without knowing. Well, that brings us to Hebrews chapter 11 and the first three verses to kind of continue to set the context. Here it is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not Seen. Just as our physical eyesight is the sense that gives us evidence of the material world, faith is the sense that gives us evidence of the invisible spiritual world. Physical eyesight produces a conviction of evidence of visible things. Faith is the organ which enables people to see the invisible order. If faith is what allows us to see who Jesus Christ is. I looked around the room. Some of you are looking a little old and ragged today, but none of you were there when God created the heavens and the earth. None of you were there when Adam and Eve fell in their sin. None of you were there when Noah built the ark. None of you were there when the people went through the Red Sea. None of you were there when Jonah was in the fish's belly and heaved up on the shore and sent to Nineveh. None of you were there when Mary became pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. None of you were there when Jesus Christ was born. None of us stood and watched Christ hang on a cross and die for us. None of us was there to see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But virtually every person in this room believes that all of those things happen just like the Bible says they happened. That faith, faith, it's the organ that allows us to see the things that the eye doesn't allow us to see. Now faith is the assurance or the confidence of the things that we hope for, the conviction of things that are not seen. And what is faith? Well, we use illustrations. Faith is the transferring of your trust. I could bring a stool here and say, I show faith when I sit on the stool. That, that's a demonstration of faith. We, we, we show faith in all kinds of things every day. You get out of here and you drive across a bridge on the way home. You're gonna have faith that that thing's gonna hold you up. 
I, I like this little acrostic for faith, F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. Regardless of what other people will say, regardless of the stabs in the back I will take, regardless of the other comments people will say, setting all of that aside with the eyes of faith, forsaking all, I trust him. I like the way uh, James McDonald says it. He says it like this. You can write this down. It's worth the time. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. I'll give that to you again. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. Faith are the eyes that we see the things that God has done. Verse two says, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Abraham and Noah and Moses and David and all of them. Um, how was their relationship with God made right? By faith. The Bible says in the New Testament, for by grace are you saved through faith. But these men, each one of them, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Uh, their way to God is exactly the same way as by faith. Verse two, I believe, is there because the people in Hebrews and this they're being written to are they're struggling, they're wrestling, they're under persecution. Some of them are like, I don't sure we want to get up and go to church. Some of you wrestled with that this morning. You looked out the window, you saw the temperature, and you're like, I don't know if I want to go to church. Yeah, well, that's not persecution. It's just Canada. <laughs> These people were being persecuted. And going to church cost them something and people were ridiculing them and they were losing opportunities. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Don't, don't stop going to meet together. Uh, they needed to be encouraged. They needed hope. And so coming all out of that Hebrews chapter 10, that's where we're gonna be at Easter this year. Coming all out of Hebrews chapter 10 comes Hebrews chapter 11 by faith, by faith by faith. You don't give in. You don't quit. You trust the Lord. You watch what he will do. And then if that's not enough, verse three says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God created in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke and it was. God created the heavens and the earth. Can't do this very well in Markham or Scarborough in the areas where we are, but you get out of the city in the nighttime and you look up and you see the stars and you realize God spoke and they were put into place. Drive a little bit further north up into Muskoka and you see the lakes and you see the amazing creation God has made and God spoke and it was in place. You go to Florida, which is pretty ugly by itself. Just one big flat piece of with Disneyland in the middle of it, right? It's not... So forget about all that, but go out to the coast and look out at the Gulf at, in the early evening and watch the sun go down and God spoke and it was. Sue and I uh, just came back from being in Arizona at a pastor's conference. We had some uh, vacation time uh, before that and uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. Oh, it's awesome. You walk up to the edge of this thing. I, 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 I'm not a heights guy. Sue's more of a heights person. She was having the willies about some of the stuff here there because you can't build a railing around the Grand Canyon, right? And there are places you can just walk right off the edge and drop one mile down. Three CN towers piled on top of each other. That's how deep it is. 
In some places, it's 10 miles across. And God spoke, and it was. Faith. Faith is believing. And we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So that's the context. Now we come to uh, three things about Abraham. Um, Here's the first thing. Abraham obeyed. We want to see faith's prerequisite. Abraham obeyed. In verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Um, that comes right out of uh, Genesis uh, chapter 12 and verse 4. You can uh, read that later on. But um, he's called to go. And uh, he obeyed. Obedience is a prerequisite to faith. He didn't do it perfectly. In Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through about verse 6, it, it talks about how he, he left from this place and he goes up to Haran and he stops there and he stays there until his father dies. He gets a little bit sidetracked, but then, but then he moves on the rest of his way down to Canaan. And so by faith, he went, but he didn't do it perfectly. And, and neither will we in our walk. What God calls us to, we will always wrestle with um, how we obey and are we doing it as God has called us to it. And, and he didn't, and we should be encouraged by it, but because he wasn't remembered for the failure, he was remembered for his faith. It says that he obeyed. He was a man who had a knowledge of God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. God was speaking to him. He was listening to the Lord. He was a man who was willing to hear and act and do. Are we listening to the Lord these days? God has given us his full counsel. Everything you need is right here. And God has given it to us. And the first thing it says, he obeyed. So what is there in God's word that he's laid out for you that you've read or you've heard preached from here or somewhere else? And, and you know it's what God would have for you to do. And he's just saying, have faith and obey. Just do the thing that I command you to do. Abraham, it says... He obeyed. Yeah, he delayed. Yes, he struggled. But he obeyed. Faith's prerequisite. The next thing is we want to see is faith's action. It says that he went. He went. I love the fact that it separates those two because on one hand you kind of go, well, what's the difference between those things? Well, I'm not exactly sure, except the scripture breaks them apart. So it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is, is God. Knowing and doing are not the same thing. There's good intentions in a lot of people who come to church. But doing what God calls us to do is really what we're after here. It says he obeyed and he, and he went. He actually got up and he put feet to his faith. He, he did the thing. 
So often in our lives, we've got the head knowledge part. We've heard it. We've sung the songs and we've got it up here. And, you know, we've got this, yeah, I will follow Jesus thing going on. But when's the went part going to come? When will we actually put feet to the things that God has called us to do? And when God has put before us an opportunity that might cost us a relationship or a friendship or a job or because it wasn't going to be easy for him. He was going to go into a land where some of the versions will call him a sojourner. It says that he would he dwelt in the land. Um, literally, it meant he would go to a place where he would be a resident alien. Again, I've said that before. Only the Americans would cause people who aren't Americans call them aliens. But um, that, you go to the States, that's what you are. You're an alien. It doesn't mean you're green and have little antennas. It means you don't belong here. This isn't your home. And uh, Abraham's being called to go to a place where he would dwell in tents. And the only land he ever owned was the land that he and Sarah were buried in. Um, he would be an alien there. He would be a sojourner there. But he would go and he would take action and do what God called him to do. And, and so what does an alien look like? when you're in the land? What does a resident sojourner look like? How can you tell this person? Because that's what Abraham would become in the land he was going to because he was looking for something way better. Well, here's how you would tell. You don't talk the same. You don't talk the same. And when George and I went to uh, Romania last December, you could tell we didn't belong there because um, we couldn't speak the language. We didn't talk the same. The way we dressed was a little bit different. The stories that we could tell, the things that we knew about, they, they weren't the same. The things that were entertaining to us may not have been entertaining to them. The mannerisms for them were very different for us. When, when I was in Ployesh, one of the things they said is, don't put your hands in your pocket when you preach. I do it all the time. Well, why not? Because it says you're casual and you're handling the word of God. And it says it's not really that important to you. It doesn't mean any of that to us here. It just means the guy's got his hands in his pockets. Because I was an alien there. I found out later on that was true around Ployesht where we were, but over in Arad where a Christian Barbosa is the pastor, he gets up and preaches with his hands in his pockets all the time. It's not the same. In Ployesht, I'm, I'm an alien. So here's the question. She was really driven home for me this week as Sue and I are going back and forth across the border. We go into the States. I got to have a passport. It's got to prove where my citizenship is. And we're coming home and we come back to Canada and we got to have our passport because it proves where our citizenship is. Here's the problem for us in North America. Here's the problem for Christians is we take that citizenship to a level that God never intended it for, be us, to, for, for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not here. Here we are aliens. Our speech should be different. Our, our actions should be different. The way we hang out and the things we do, it should show that we are different. We're just passing through here, looking forward for something amazing that God has for us in heaven with him for eternity. And so if that's not seen in your life, if everybody just thinks you're the same as everybody else on your street, you got a big problem. You become a citizen in the wrong country. Here we're just aliens. We're passing through. 
Be careful how rooted you get here and how people view you and see you. Back in Hebrews 11, verse 14, it says, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for it's prepared for them a city. God has something so much greater for us. Christians shouldn't get too comfortable here on planet Earth. We should look different because here we're aliens. He obeyed. God called him. God spoke to him. He went. He didn't do it perfectly, but he went And here's the third thing. Obey, he went, and he offered. Here we see a faith's cost. Verse 17. Outside of the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, this to me is one of the most impressive, powerful stories in all of the Bible. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even to raise him from the dead, from which he figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, going without knowing, there will always be testing. There will always be things that are testing us in our faith and in our walk and Abraham's given an unbelievable test. God has said, I'm going to give you a son. And from this son is going to come all the nations. All the blessings are going to be poured out on you. And then he's 12 years old. This little boy's 12 years old. And and God says, I want your son. What, to go into ministry? No, no, no. You're going to sacrifice your son. Are you kidding me, Lord? If you don't have kids, you can't even imagine what God was asking him. You think you can, but you can't. Um, I was preaching from that text in uh, Genesis, and we're going to read it in just a couple of minutes, um, in Vancouver about 30 years ago. And uh, Carl, our son, was just a little toddler at the point. He was about two years old. And um, in the middle of my um, message, I had this poem. It goes like this. His little arms crept round my neck and then I heard him say four simple words I can't forget. Four words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul on secrets no one knew. They startled me. I hear them yet. He said, I'll be like you. Some of you have had your son say, I want to be like you, dad. I want to do what you do. I want to. I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him for me by faith. Now take your Bibles and turn back to Genesis 22 because you've got to see the story and hear what happened and uh, try and put it in that understanding though so it's not just some cute little story, oh, coochie-coo at the end. You consider what God was calling Abraham to do. 
In Genesis chapter 22, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I, still willing, still serving. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah. Isn't it interesting? Ishmael had already been born, but Ishmael was, and Ishmael was his son and, and God made that clear. But when it came to this, God says, take Isaac, your only son. This is the son of promise. This is the one I'm talking about. Take Isaac, uh, your only son, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place at which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb? But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went out, both of them, together. And the story goes on through the text. And Isaac considers what God is able to do. He believed, according to Hebrews chapter 11, he believed that he was actually going to sacrifice his son and God was going to raise him from the dead. His little arms crept round my neck and then I heard him say four simple words I can't forget, four words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul on secrets no one knew. They startled me, I hear them yet. He said, I'll be like you. Abraham had the faith to believe the command of God and at the same time believe God would keep and fulfill his promises. And yet so often for us in our lives, God calls us to do some pretty simple things that are clear in scripture. And we're on the, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if the Lord will come through. I don't know. Hey, look at Abraham. Not a perfect man, a man who failed in so many ways. But when God put the big test out there, he took the command of God. He believed the command of God. And he left God to fulfill his promises because he believed God would do it. But there's another obvious parallel in that passage. Where's the lamb? Behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And God the Father gave his son. And with Isaac, a ram is provided and a sacrifice takes Isaac's place. And in my life, I deserve to be the one on the altar. I deserve to be the one who dies. And, 
And God provided a lamb. He provided his only son. And Christ suffered and Christ died so that I didn't have to. He paid my price. He paid the price I couldn't pay. I had a debt. There's no way I could ever take care of that. But the Lord Jesus Christ was the sacrifice provided by the Father, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever would believe in him won't perish but will have everlasting, eternal, in the new place where our citizenship really is, we will have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus Christ, he was the right sacrifice. He was the only sacrifice. He was the one who could pay for my sin. And he did. And what do I have to do? For by grace you're saved through faith, by faith, by faith. Not my works, not what I do. Isaac was not good enough. He might have been a great little boy. He might have been the the gem in his father's eye. He might have been everything his dad ever wanted, but Isaac couldn't save himself. And neither can you, and neither could I. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life He was the sacrifice. And I believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what Christ did. There you are a sinner, separated from God. Nothing you can do about it. God sent his son. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. An amazing cost. An amazing stepping out. An amazing trusting God. We hold on to things. We try and manipulate things. We try and get things done the way we want them done. And and God is just saying, "Just, just obey my command. Just do what I say I will do. I will be faithful to my promises. I will take care of you in all the things I promise you, but you be faithful to the command that I call you to. I love this statement. When Abraham was confronted with a promise and a command from God, which seemed to contradict each other, you get the contradiction, right? You get the contradiction. The, uh, the reality is this is the son and through him all is going to come and happen and be and yet you're gonna kill him and oh, okay. When Abraham was confronted with a promise and a command from God, which seemed to contradict each other, he did what we all should do. He obeyed the command and he let God take care of the promise which God was more than able to do. Going without knowing. He left the land. He struggled on the journey to get there. He had some major failures along the way. But he obeyed the Lord And God blessed him. He was going without knowing. And God blessed him. Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. I I want this to be our song. We're going without knowing. Got to write words to this. We're going without knowing. Here we are in this building, given to us. 
allowed to plant a church, allowed to serve in places around the world, allowed to have one church in two locations. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I want that to be the song of our church. But that's kind of easy for us because we can just kind of all pass that off because it's on all of us. How about you? How about me? What is our going without knowing? What is our thing that you know God has called you to in an area of obedience or in an area of submission or an area of faithfulness? What's a, what's a place that God has called you to in an area of, of coming clean with some things in your life that it, it might hurt for a little while? And there's gonna be a cost to it, but I'm gonna trust God because he's commanded me to do it. And so I'll do it. And I'll trust him to fulfill his promises that he won't leave me and he won't forsake me and he will take care of me and he will guard my heart and he will be my helper when I am weak. Going without knowing. We're going to do it here in New York region. We're going to trust God we'll do it in Newmarket. And I'm praying that by faith, I will do it in my life. And you will do it in yours as well. For the glory and the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word we thank you for the example of um, Abraham. Lord, I, I'm so thankful that in the scriptures, you don't whitewash the stories of these, these people. Father, I am so thankful that um, we see some of the struggles that Abraham had. And yet, Lord, when it comes to Hebrews chapter 11, you remember him for his faith. Father, is faith by grace that saved me. Lord, I pray that my faith would demonstrate my walk with you. I know, God, I'm not doing it perfectly. I know I have so much to learn. Father, I believe that's the prayer of everyone in the room. But we will move ahead. Father, give us a passion to obey the commands, believing you will fulfill your promises. Give us a, a heart, God, that would follow after you, hard after you. We don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you because you have been faithful in our lives. Why would we believe you're not going to be faithful moving forward? You promised that to us. So, Lord, we will search our hearts and we'll hear from you today. And then, Lord, I pray that you would give us a commitment not just to think about obeying, but to do it, consider the cost and consider the one who paid the ultimate cost. All of this we pray for your glory in Jesus' name.